tonight. The Lord has laid something on my heart this week, and uh, there's a common thread that God is speaking to the body of Christ this week. If you started Wednesday night with Brother John when he did his devotion Wednesday night, and then what the pastor spoke this morning, then what I'm going to add to that tonight, you're going to see a common thread between all of these messages that God is speaking to the body of Christ and giving us an instruction. And he's also reminding them that God is for us, so who can be against us? Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Before I get into my message, I'm going to ask uh, Brother Marvin, would you stand please and ask the Lord's blessing upon this service and his will be done. Amen. I'm going to do my best to preach this thing. It's been a while, but uh, also let you know, the last two times I preached, one was on a Sunday night, and we didn't handle electricity. The next time I preached was on a Wednesday night, and the lights went out. So you know the drill. <laughs> the lights go out, move to the front, get your phones out, and we'll still have church. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Today, throughout the body of Christ... We are finding ourselves struggling and warring with issues due to opposing views and factions. And many times they prevent us from being who God wants us to be, preventing us from receiving what God wants us to have and preventing us from answering the call that's on our lives. And many times it keeps us hunkered down and afraid to move. And many times it's due to fear and inferiority and intimidation and doubt and mindsets. Something that's hindering you has always been in your family for as long as you know it. Sometimes it's things we've allowed to set up shop in our lives and now works against us. And these things are known as strongholds or like I like to reference them as giants. And God says that today is the day they need to be defeated. Now these are spiritual strongholds or giants I'm talking about and I'm addressing. See, a natural stronghold might consist of someone having you in a headlock. And it would require a physical response to get yourself free. But a spiritual stronghold requires a spiritual response to get free. You see, we're good at recognizing conflict and struggle or roadblocks in the natural, those things we see with our physical eyes, and we're quick to respond with the necessary physical responses that are needed. Moms or dad, if you see someone has your child in a chokehold, it isn't going to take you long to respond, and your first objective is to get him free. But what about when your child is in a spiritual chokehold? Do we even recognize it? When the enemy is trying to take him out, you know something is wrong, but you can't physically see it. You don't respond appropriately. If you're only looking in the natural for what is affecting your children, you will never see what the enemy is up to in your children's life. And you might want to write that one down. You will only see your child in trouble by physical signs of his actions or attitudes, but you won't respond properly if you only see the natural effects and not the spiritual attack that's on his or her life. 
You'll yank him up and put him or her in the therapy, or you'll seclude him into a private school. You'll find yourself saying, I don't know what's wrong with him anymore. Well, can I suggest to you he's being choked spiritually, and you're responding naturally, negating your effectiveness, effectiveness to help him. Because carnal weapons are not for spiritual warfare. Paul said, talking about spiritual warfare, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down evil imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Church, we've got young people who are in trouble. We've got family members who are in trouble. We've got a world of people who are in trouble. We got brothers and sisters and moms and dads and friends who are in trouble and they're struggling and they're hunkering down and allowing the enemy to control and stifle their lives. It's a showdown between good and evil. The enemy knows his days are numbered because Christ is fixing to return for his church, so he's turning up the heat. And God has put a word into my heart fight. It's time for the body of Christ to fight. Now, John spoke wonderfully about not getting in fights you don't belong in Wednesday night. But tonight, we're going to talk about a fight that you're already in. You're in a battle whether you know it or not. The moment you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you enlisted into God's army. You chose which side of the battle you wanted to be on. And you're at war with Satan who's planning to kill you. There are giants in the land and spiritual warfare has been launched by our enemy as an all-out assault. The question today, though, is going to be, who's going to fight these giants? Who's going to be the one today who says today, I'll fight for my family. I'll fight for my child. I'll fight for my friends. I'll fight for my church. Who's going to be the one in your family when everybody else is hunkered down? And who's going to say enough is enough? Today, I'm going to fight this uncircumcised giant. And I'm going to declare, you better get your hands off my children. You better get your hands off of my child. You better get your hands off my son, my brother, my sister, my husband. I'm asking, who's going to be a David? Now, what am I saying? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read of an act of courage. This passage reads of a family member who got tired of seeing his family hunkered down by the enemy, bound by the enemy. Now, many of us are familiar with this passage, and the main subject is where David slays Goliath. I'm going to present this to you tonight at first in pretty well a traditional way. But before I'm done, I'm going to be doing it in more of a prophetic way. I'm going to show you what the Lord's laid on my heart. But there's a perspective I want you to grasp today that God wants me to point out to you tonight. Somebody in the family has got to be willing to fight for the family. Because the family's under attack. The institution of marriage is under attack. The masculinity of a man is under attack. Our children are being abused and they're being trafficked. And it's time for a fight. It's time for spiritual warfare to take place. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is a very long, lengthy passage, so I'm not going to read it all. So what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to walk you through and paraphrase about the first nine verses. Here we have the Philistines and the Israelites entering into battle. And verse 3 says, the Philistines stood on a mountainside on one side, 
And Saul and the Israelites stood on the mountainside on the other side. And the Bible says that there was this valley in between them. And verse 4 says, There went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. He's a huge warrior. Describes him as a nine-foot, two-inch tall giant of a man. Wore a brass helmet, had brass shields on his legs, brass shields on his shoulders. His coat alone weighed over 175 pounds. He was a huge man, actually known as a giant. He had a spear in his hand, and the head of that spear alone weighed over 20 pounds, not counting the sword and the shield that he carried. Goliath, in a strategic plan, cries out in a loud and a thunderous voice to the Israelites, challenging the Israelites to send out their best fighter in their army. Goliath, the giant of a man, said, If you defeat me, we serve you. But if I defeat you, you serve me. And hear me, somebody right now, if you don't defeat your enemy, you will serve him. Verse 11 says that when Saul and all the Israelites hear these words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's where many are at today. Your enemy has simply just spoken to defeat you, and you're afraid to fight him. He appears bigger than you. He appears to be stronger than you. He has intimidated you by what he has spoken to you. You're not big enough. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. There's no hope for you. You're worthless. Your enemy's greatest weapon against you is his ability to speak over you and roar at you like a lion. Therefore, allowing a giant, a stronghold, to govern your life and return, you are serving him. You might say, well, I'm not serving no devil. Yes, you are if you're not serving God. If you're not doing what God has called you to do, you are doing what the enemy has bound you to do. Believing you're stuck in your circumstances, that this is as far as you can go. You're like the Israelites, can't cross the valley to get to the other side because your giant has convinced you you can't whip him. When as a child of God, you should not be afraid because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. See, the Israelite army had come upon a stronghold, a giant, and they were intimidated. They felt inferior. They were hunkered down. Their enemy was controlling their emotions and hindering them from going forward at this point simply by his words and by his appearance. And the same thing is happening today. There's things you've allowed to hinder you, things you've allowed to stop you from going forward. There's a giant standing in your way, and you're afraid to fight him. Grandpa struggled with him. Dad struggled with him. But I ask, who's going to defeat him? Come on. God's ready to defeat some giants. He's ready to break some generational curses. But who's going to fight? No one in the Israelite camp was. David's three oldest brothers were there. None of them were willing to fight this giant. I want to focus on this family for just a moment. They're in a battle with this giant, and not a one of them is willing to go out and fight him, including the whole Israel army. Therefore, they had gone as far as they could. The enemy was controlling them, but watch this, though. In verse 15, it says, David was at home tending the sheep. And verse 16 says, for over 40 days, Goliath presented himself taunting, tormenting the Israelite army, including David's three brothers who were hunkered down. But then verse 17 says, while all this is going on, Jesse, David's father, calls for David, who is back home, to go and take some food to his brothers. And David goes as instructed. But this was just more than just a father's instructions. David was following, 
It was actually God's plan for David. Never forgot and never forget that God is a strategic God. That when David arrives, he finds his brothers, as well as the whole Israelite army, hunkered down, refusing to accept Goliath's challenge. As David is sitting and talking with his brothers, it just so happened, yes, like we always say, just so happened, Goliath appears again as every day, mocking the Israelites. And this time David hears him. And verse 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw this man, fled from him and were so afraid. But not David. He asked the men, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And the men proceeded to tell him and say, For whoever kills him, the king will enrich him. Eliab, David's oldest brother, when he heard David asking these questions, verse 28 says, He became angry with David. Eliab begins to tell David, he shouldn't be here. You should be home tending sheep. This isn't your fight. But David won't hear of it. There was something inside of him rising up. He had had enough of this giant's demeaning spirit. He had had enough of this thing keeping his brothers afraid. He hadn't had enough of seeing the army of God being hunkered down. He wasn't going to allow this giant to affect his family. He wasn't about to let this giant intimidate him or the generations to come. He was ready to fight when everyone else wasn't. He was picking this fight. Word got to Saul. David would fight him. Saul sends for him. Saul told David, it's noble you want to fight him, but you are so young. And Goliath has been a warrior since his youth. And David proceeds to tell Saul, the captain of this army, I can do this because God has prepared me for this fight. I've kept my father's sheep, and there came a lion, and there came a bear that took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after them and slew both of them, the bear and the lion. God was on my side then. He's on my side today. He understood that if God be for him, no one could be against him. So Saul concedes and says, well, very well. And he proceeds to give him his armor, but it doesn't fit. Confirming the point, you can't wear someone else's anointing. Your anointing is custom fit for you. David says, I can't wear this. This is yours. So David took his sling and gathered five smooth stones, and he headed for Goliath. He was going to face the giant. When Goliath saw David, he mocked him. All he saw was this young, rudy boy and cursed David. He told David, I will destroy you. And the fowl of the air will eat you. I remember the enemy speaking to me when I first got saved. I remember the week before I, prior to me getting saved, and I was, my heart was considering surrendering to the Lord. And at that time, I told you many times, I played music for 25 years. It was a big part of my life. And I remember hearing the enemy saying, you just go ahead. Give your heart to this Jesus, and you'll never sing again. It weighed on me, to be honest. But that night, on February the 24th, I knelt down and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Only for four days later, a man walked in the store and said, I hear you got saved. I said, yes, I did. He said, well, I'd like to invite you to come to our church in Kewlin, Missouri, and give your testimony and maybe sing for us. So I went that Sunday and sung at a church. That Sunday that I was there, there was a man in the congregation who came up after church. He said, hey, I enjoyed your testimony. I'd like you to come across town and go to our church and give your testimony and sing. I said, I'll be there. And I went to that church. 
And then two weeks passed, and I get a phone call. Hey, I heard you in town at Kulin. So I went to the third church in Kulin and gave my testimony and sung. It's just like the enemy said. It's like the, God said to the enemy, the devil is a liar. Amen? That's for somebody to, to hear, hear what the Lord is saying to you. But David doesn't back down. He said to this giant, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord. This day, somebody say this day. There is an appointed time for you to destroy your enemy, and I believe for many of us tonight, it's this day. David said, the Lord will. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will kill you. I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet, if you would, please, for just a moment. If you're ready to defeat your enemy... If you believe, too, that this is the day, then I want to hear you say this with me to your giant. I believe this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will kill you. Now let out a victory praise. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. We're stirring up some demons. Don't hunker down on me just yet. You got to kill the enemy's assignment. Not just knock it out, but you got to cancel it out. You have to declare that no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Give him praise. Come on. Come on. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's on your side tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. You see, he started the fight with you by what he spoke to you. You have to defeat him by what you speak to him. Use the sword of the Spirit that's sharper than any two-edged sword that will pierce the heart of your enemy. There is power in your tongue. There is life and death in your tongue. His voice is one of natural offense. But your voice as a child of God is one of supernatural defense. Come on, somebody. What have you been speaking lately? Have you been saying, I can't, I never will, there is no way, there is no use? If you are, that is equivalent to you committing spiritual suicide. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. It's time to look at your enemy and say, oh, yes, I can. See, in this battle, it's a giant of a man versus the giant of the faith. See, the enemy, he can only roar like a lion. But your God, who is on your side, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah is the tribe of praise. Hallelujah. So it is your praise that will ambush your enemy and conquer your giants because when you praise God in the midst of your circumstances, it's such a surprise to your enemy that it ambushes him. It catches him off guard. He didn't see it coming. You should have lost your mind, but you're still sane. You should have done been done, but you're still alive. Somebody ought to give God some more praise in this house. Hallelujah. Why? Because the moment you begin to praise, when you begin to praise God, in spite of your enemy's taunts and torments and bad reports, God inhabited your praise 
Therefore, the power that worketh in you defeated the giant that was lying to you. The devil is a liar. <laughs> so your enemy may be the giant of this land, but the God you serve is the God of this world. David not only said he will kill him, but he had also cut his head off. And I will give your body to the fowl of the air so that all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. You've got to get bold with your enemy. Not only do you have to speak boldly, you have to take action. You have to face your giant. David grabs his slingshot and a stone, and he slung it. And the stone, guided by the hand of God, hit Goliath in the forehead. And Goliath fell to the earth. And God took what David had, and he used it to bring this stronghold, this giant, down. You see, a stronghold is anything that exalted himself above God. Goliath did, and God killed him. Lucifer did, and God cast him out of the heavens. And verse 50 says, no sword did this. It was the divine power of God intervening on David's behalf. David couldn't have whipped him in his own might. This took more than a natural response. It took divine power through a spiritual response. Remember, David called on the name of the Lord and believed that God could deliver him. Therefore, that giant that held the whole Israelite army bound was now defeated, and they were set free. Because one boy said, I'll fight him. Because one person in the family said, this is enough. There are strongholds, giants. They're holding individuals down. There are strongholds. There are giants that have existed in families for years. And I've come to tell you, if you don't stand up and fight it, you will serve it, and so will your children and your children's children. Until someone stands up and fights to bring it down as David did. Who's it going to be? David was the least likely to do it, so many thought. So don't count yourself out. God chose David, and if God be for you, who can be against you? It was Samuel who had anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. But because of his disobedience, Saul failed. This truly grieved Samuel. But God told Samuel one morning, get up and quit mourning over Saul. Fill your horn with oil. It's time to go anoint the next king. So he goes to the house of Jesse, if you read the story. The first one Samuel sees is the oldest, Eliab. Samuel thinks truly this is the one because of his appearance. He had a great stature, that of a warrior. The Lord says, no, look not on his countenance. Look not on the height of his stature, for I have refused him. For Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And there's some in you here today that you don't look like the one who will fight, but God knows that the fight's in you or not. Then there's some who sure look the part, look like you got it all together, got the Pentecostal happy face painted on, got the Pentecostal lingual down path, but when the enemy shouts, boo, you hunker down. Then Samuel looks on Abinadad, the next Otis, and God says no. Then Shimon, God says no. All seven of his brothers passed in front, and God said no, there's not one of these. Samuel becomes concerned. He asks, well, is this all of them? And Jesse says, no, I got one more. He's the youngest. He's tending to the sheep. And Samuel says, go get him. And they bring David in. What Samuel sees is a ruddy young boy with a beautiful countenance. The Bible said he was goodly to look at. And God tells Samuel, rise, anoint him. He's the one. Here is the least likely. 
chosen to be king. Why? Because God knew something about David that no one else knew about David. God had put something in David that no one knew that God had put in David. David was the one. And Samuel anointed him, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. God was for David and was with David. Maybe you've been thought of as the least likely to defeat your giant. Maybe your high school class voted you as the least likely to succeed. But who is this giant you are facing? Who is this giant that your family is facing? These strongholds, these giants can be anything from intimidation to fear to mindsets to inferiority to addictions. I'm here to say just because grandpa didn't whip it or dad didn't whip it doesn't mean you can't if you're willing to fight. I want to tell you something. There were a lot of giants in my family, but I made a conscious decision one day. I was tired of being where I was at in life. I was tired of all the generational curses. I was the youngest. I was tired of seeing my older brothers being defeated. I was tired of the stigma that was put on my family. We were that family, you know, that lived across the tracks. So I gave my heart to God, and then I committed myself to be the one who would fight so that my children will not be enslaved to the giants of my past. Now, I haven't defeated all the giants, but I haven't stopped fighting either. There are many in the land, but I'm not afraid to fight any of them that come against my family. And I'll be transparent. I'm fighting for members of my family right now with everything I got. And I will not quit fighting till this giant is defeated or I'm taken home. I will kill this giant for them if I have to. Because I know God is able. I have seen God defeat my lions. I have seen God defeat my bears. And it's time for you to make the same decision as well. Hallelujah. It's time to put your giant away or help someone else put their giant away. To change it for the generations to come. To break those curses off your life, off their lives. But you'll never defeat spiritual giants with natural responses. It's spiritual warfare and it takes a spiritual response. It won't be done through the power of mankind. Only by the divine power of God. God will take what you got and help you use it to defeat your giant. Just as he did for David. For some of you, God has put a calling on your life, and you haven't even done it yet. Your giant showed up, like Goliath did, and said, if you can whip me, I'll serve you. And you ran like the Israelites did. And because you didn't whip him, you serve him. And I've come to tell you, it's time to fight, to face your giant. Don't let it keep you hunkered down. For many of you got dreams and goals in life, desires that God has put in your heart. Your giant has told you you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're too young, you're too old, you live on the wrong side of town, you got the wrong last name. For someone, ever since you were a child, your giant told you you'd never amount to nothing. Your giant told you you're just like your dad. That same giant that kept your dad down is now keeping you down. Come on, church. I think I hear some giants falling in this place tonight. Someone, your giant said, you're just like your mama. And she was a terrible mom, and you will be too. Someone, your giant told you, your whole family's messed up, keeping you hunkered down. Come on, I'm trying to set some people free this day. Hey, I'll fight him for you today if that's what it takes to get you free. David didn't fight simply for him to be free. He fought so others could be free as well, just like Christ did. Christ didn't die so we, he would be free. He died so you and I could be free. And our enemy has kept the army of God hunkered down for way too long.
and it's time to fight. Why? Because I want to tell you something. Right now, it's working. Do you know that the state of Missouri is this close to being the first state in the United States of America that will not have an abortion clinic in it? Hallelujah. The fight is worth it. We got to pick our battles. And these that are attacking our families and trying to destroy our families, that's a battle we got to fight. And if God be for us, who convinces? The Lord is on our side tonight. Can you believe this? Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's time to stand up and say, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I don't know if you know it or not, but you have dominion over your enemy. And it's time for you to know it. It's time to claim your dominion. It's time to declare dominion. Devil, I got dominion over you. Why? Because God has dominion as a child of God. What God has is mine because I have inherited it. And God said, let's create man in our likeness, giving him dominion over the earth. I've got dominion and the power to proclaim. Give me back my children. Give me back my joy. Give me back my finances. Give me back my health. It's time to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. Now, David went to the Philistine camp, and he cut the head off his giant. David had the ability to use a slingshot. But it was God who had the power to make that rock drop that giant. And some of you have allowed strongholds to take root since you've been saved. Let me say, many strongholds are built simply in our minds. The mind is a battlefield. It's where wars are won and lost. Isn't that what he said in my opening scripture? That we have to use our weapons to cast down evil imaginations, to take our thoughts into captivity. Your enemy only has to defeat your mind to control your body. If he can make you think you're nothing... Convince you you're never going to be nothing, that's what you'll become. But if you take those thoughts into captivity and say, oh, no, big boy, I am blood-bought, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I am joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I have been made more than a conqueror. Step aside. I'll fight you if you get him away. I don't look like the one, but I am the one because he said I was. Hallelujah. Now, I want to take you. To what the Lord showed me about this passage of Scripture is very familiar to many of us. We've heard about this story of, of David slaying Goliath. But there's another perspective of this battle. I want to show you and how it parallels to today. First of all, hear this statement. Not only was David willing to fight this battle for his family members who were involved in this battle, but he was also willing to fight this battle for his nation. This battle, this showdown was bigger than just fighting for his loved ones. It was to help set a whole nation free of this giant. So let's look at it one more time. We had the Philistines and the Israelites. They're in battle. Each side fighting to win. How many of you know, of course, to have a fight, you have to have two opposing forces? So for a moment, I want us to look at the scope of this battle and see if it's not representative of today. And see, not only was David fighting for his brothers, he was fighting for the nation of Israel. This battle was bigger than anyone would have imagined. This one giant was capable of defeating a whole nation if he won this fight this day. And so is our enemy, Satan. In this passage, we have two opposing enemies. We have the Philistines, 
versus God's chosen, the Israelites. In this hour that we now live in, we have two opposing enemies as well. We have good versus evil. We have Satan versus God. And now, as back then, you are on one side or the other of this battle. And God has since told us in his word to choose you this day whom you're going to serve, for you cannot serve two masters. He said you're either for me or you're against me. Both of these armies had masters, a leader over each army. And there was a divide that separated these two opposing enemies, a valley as it was described. There to today is a great divide called sin that divides good from evil, that divides the worldly from the righteous. The Philistines were led by a giant of a man named Goliath. The Israelites were led by a man named King Saul. This world is led by Satan, the prince of this air. And the Christians are led by the God of heaven and earth. And here in this valley came a showdown of two opposing forces. In the book of Revelations, it speaks of a great showdown that's going to take place in a valley called the Battle of Armageddon between good and evil, between Satan and his army and God and his army. There was another battle in the book of Kings where there was a showdown between King Ahab and his Baal worshipers and Elijah and his Jehovah worshipers where the same words were spoken. If your God defeats our God, we will serve your God. If our God defeats your God, you serve our God. The same thing is being said in this battle between the Philistines and the Israelites. Goliath said to the Israelites, if you defeat me, we will serve your king. But if I defeat you, you'll serve our king. And the same challenge is being given today in this last day battle of spiritual warfare between good and evil. Either you defeat your enemy by serving God or your enemy will defeat you and you will serve him. Well, I want to encourage some folks to make this right decision. Because I know God defeated Baal in Elijah's day. And I know God defeated Goliath in David's day. And I've read the end of the book, Our God Will Defeat Satan in Our Day. So I encourage you to serve God with, and let God be on your side. With him on your side, you can defeat your giants this day so you can be free tomorrow. And right now as I speak, many in our world are hunkered down like the Israelites were on that side of the mountain. By the roar of the enemy, by his voice, there are giants in our land that must be defeated. If not, we will serve them. This battle as that battle is more than just about our families. It's about saving this nation from our enemy. And God is wanting to raise the church up like a David who believes that with God's help, we can defeat our enemies. It's time for the church to rise and shine and let our enemies be scattered. It's time for the church to let out a war cry, a cry of worship, it's time for the church to not be silent any longer. I prophesied to this church a word that I still believe will come to pass. I looked it back up. It was in September of 2018. I told you, pay attention to what's going on in the White House. 
That what was coming against the president of the United States is what's fixing to come against the church. Now, I don't know how many of you took that to heart, but I still stand by it. Let's listen a little bit to what I had to say then. I said, I believe God is showing us something once again through the leadership of our country. We have one of the most unbelievable presidencies in all of history. And I believe the church better take notice. I think God is signaling us as he signaled Israel through Hosea. I've never seen a president face the amount of opposition this president is facing. It's never been this. It's unprecedented what he's facing. They are gradually proving there was a planned effort to destroy him for before the election and even now after the election. I've never seen a president in my lifetime, ever to my knowledge, who isn't a Christian and, and have been supported so much by the church. He's been attacked. His family's been attacked. The media conducted openly an all-out attack on him, producing false reports and accusations. What caused all of this? We elected a president who's doing his best to stand up for the church, for Israel, for our religious freedoms, and our constitutional rights. And no matter what he does, no matter how good or even moral he is, he gets slammed. He gets falsely accused. And yet it never, I've never seen a president stand so strong day after day, no matter what they say, no matter what comes his way. And I believe God has put this on open public display as he used Hosea to show the church that the same kind of opposition that he has faced is just a matter of time that the church will face the same opposition from our enemy. That we're fixing to come under the greatest assault the church has ever seen. And God is saying, just as he stood strong day after day, no matter what comes his way, no matter what the world says, as much as he simply believes in our country and willing to fight and defend her, we as Christians are going to have to stand firm on our faith in God that we believe in and declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, God's going to raise up a standard. He became president against all odds. And his opposition is greater than just a group of politicians that have a different political view. It's witchcraft. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. It's men and women being driven by evil forces. And I'm here to tell you that they're going to come to the ultimate conclusion very soon that their real opposition is God and his church. And doing so, church, get ready. We're fixing to hear the war cry of our enemy. But I got news for them. You can take his name off the government buildings. You can take him out of the schools. You can tear down every religious symbol, but they're going to learn you cannot take him out of our hearts. Hallelujah. Because there's a true church, the genuine church, that's not just playing church, but is under the lordship of our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And if they persecute us, they'll find out like Saul did, you are persecuting him. And it's always been his desire to show himself strong on our behalf. It's not a time to cower down. It's simply just time to become committed and submitted to the authority of our God. With what we're fixing to face, and I'm not glooming and dooming, I'm prophesying that there is a battle on the horizon. And this is, then this is what I heard God speak to me. That opposition's coming soon. Mark it down. We better speak up and we better be prepared to be God's army. But here's what's really troubling to me. As I said, there's never been anything like this presidency before, never so fought. 
and viciously attacked, plotting and lying, conspiring to take him out. His enemy, his opposition is fierce. They were shocked how he could have won. They thought we had the money. We had the pose. They were even prepared for the celebration. But here comes this guy out of nowhere, not even a politician, and they are searching everything. They're turning over every stone to get an answer. How could this happen? Because he's destroying our liberal agenda. This man is trying to set this house back in order. He's canceling our assignments. He's canceling our plans. He's canceling our deals. They thought we got to have a plot to stop him. I know what was happening. The church was praying for God to raise up a leader that would help stop the immoral agenda bringing consequences to our lives. Now, I'm very aware he wasn't a godly leader, but read your Bibles. He's used ungodly people before to carry out his agenda. I'm not here tonight to promote a president. I'm here to promote what God's doing through our president. God knew who he needed. He may not be a godly leader yet, but it ain't over yet. His enemy thinks he's done all this stuff to them. No, God has used him to attack them, a man who had the guts to. But slowly they're figuring out the conservatives and the Christians showed up and voted. So as I say, soon and very soon, there's going to come a time they're going to put the blame on the Christians. So get ready, church. The attacks are coming. Get ready. You're going to be tried with fire. They're cutting off heads of Christians in foreign countries. Men and women, though, who counted an honor to be die as a martyr for Christ, that are willing to suffer for the cause of the kingdom. But here's something else I want us to see. What's so different about his opposition is, it's not only from the other party, it's even from his own party. And it's unprecedented. What they call the deep state. We've all seen it come from the opposite party, but not so much where it comes from within the party itself. And here's what I believe. I believe opposition to the church is going to come from the world worse than it's ever, we've ever seen it. But I want you to also see, I believe some of the greatest opposition is going to come sadly from within the church. Opposition unlike ever before. The church has always faced opposition from the world, but never from within. I think it's going to be some of the greatest yet for us to overcome. And I believe this is what God is showing us. There's a true church and a counterfeit church created by our enemy. It's going to be our deep state. I believe Pentecost is going to be opposed like never before from within and from outside. If you've been watching for the past several years in the United States, the power of Pentecost has been fading. Yet it's strong in our foreign countries where the persecution has actually propelled their commitment to Christ. Miracles unlike we've ever seen. Thousands being led to Christ over there. And you can visit many churches who claim to be Pentecost, and you will find the zeal and the fire of the Holy Ghost is missing. They have become passive, complacent, and lethargic. You can't even tell they're Pentecost. New structures have been built with new concepts, such as seeker-friendly facilities where sin's not condemned, hell's never mentioned, and the watering down of the gospel and the preaching to the itching ears is drawing large crowds, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. As in the days of old, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious crowd, always falsely accusing Jesus and disciples, attacked them and their character, violently, often persecuting them. And I believe God is showing us through the highest office of our nation, the condition of our country, the degree of evil arising in our land, the plotting and the planning that's already taking place to destroy America. 
that what we see taking place in the White House is going to take place in the church house. Today, they want to remove and silence the president. Tomorrow, they will want to remove and silence the church. And we must prepare for the battle. We must be united. The reason I believe Pentecost is going to be so viciously attacked is because it will possess the power of God. And it will never be stomped out, even if the flame has been menaced to an ember. Because the fire of Pentecost is once again going to be ignited. And God's fixing to fan the fire like never before. And no matter how dark it gets through the power of Pentecost, he has given us the power to be his witnesses. The church will never be removed until God tells his son Jesus to go get his people. And I believe what we must say to our coming opposition is what God said to Isaiah during a time of opposition. Isaiah 8, 9, and 10, he said, raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. He's talking to the opposition. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand. Why? For God is with us. In other words, go ahead and plot, go ahead and conspire, give a war cry, try to intimidate us. You will be shattered because God is with us. And I said all that then to say this today, still today, I still proclaim in 2019. Just like God used Hosea's relationship with Gomer to show the nation of Israel their sins and their future, I still believe God's using the highest office of this nation to show this nation the condition it's in, and how spiritual wickedness is going to come against the church. He's exposing the corruption. He's exposing the deep state to show us the antics and the tactics of the spiritual assault that's fixing to come against the Christians in America. He's confirming, and he is proving his word that says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy scheme has gone all the way from your house to the White House. It's been a coup attempt, but thanks be unto God, he's exposing it. So two weeks ago, I'm sitting at my house, and a thought comes to me. After a good dose of listening to the news, of all the turmoil, the hate, the deception being exposed, the witch hunts, the false accusations, the persecutions of a man who God told me to keep my eye on and pray for, I thought, when does this ever end? Why doesn't this end? If God placed him there, then why does he continue to allow this stuff to come against him? It's been over two years. This is unprecedented political persecution. There grows deeper and deeper. Why such a public display of spiritual wickedness? Then I thought, if they ever publicly pinpoint and target the Christians as the reason as to why this president won this election because of the prayers and support of the Christians, because of the cry that went out from the hearts of God's people, when they ever realized the reason they can't figure out how he won and that it was a God thing, they will come after the church like never before, like the way we have witnessed them coming against him. With lies, corruption, false narratives fueled by a heart of hate. 
They have attacked everything else. I heard him speak in Orlando just a few days ago. And I want you to hear what he said in his speech. They went after my family. They went after my business. They went after my finances. They went after my employees. Almost everyone that I've ever known or worked with. But they are really going after you. So I had this thought. And then just a couple of those days ago it happened. On national TV, these words were said. The reason Donald Trump was elected president because of the massive Christian vote. So I'm telling you, get ready for the fallout. You're going to see good versus evil like never before. You're going to see religious freedoms under assault. And this is not going to be a flesh and blood fight. This is going to be a spiritual showdown. And either we stand with God and fight this spiritual battle spiritually so that we can remain free, or else we will end up serving our enemy. You're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. You're either going to serve God or their God. There's going to be a valley separating us. I know what I'm doing. I'm standing with our God because I read in the end, we win. And I'm not going to bow down to the roar of a lion. I'm going to serve the God who's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah, who was once a lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, but's coming back to be the lion that devours our enemy once and for all. Come on, somebody. Can he get a praise from his people tonight? Come on. It's not a time for the church to sleep. It's time for a sleeping giant to rise up and fight the giants of this land so that many others may be free. A David that not only fights for his family, but this nation. God has prepared us for this battle. We have done fought bears. We have done fought lions in this congregation. Who is this uncircumcised giant standing in our way? Between you and your victory, between you and your family's victory, between you and our nation's victory, it's time for the church to have a Jehoshaphat march. Come on, somebody. Open up your voices and with prayer and with praise and let God ambush our enemies. Let, oh, come on. Let me set this thing up just right here real quick. Give me my worshiper. Give me my praise team. Come on up, John. Bring your team up. I want you to bring your praise team up. And if you're here tonight and you're usually on the praise team and you weren't scheduled tonight, I want you to come on up and sing with them. Come on up here. Come on up here. I'm going to obey the Lord right here. Hallelujah. I need some prayer warriors. Come here, Chuck. Come on up here. Come on, come on, girls. Come on up here. Come on, come on, Bill. Please, I want you to stand right here in the front of this altar. Come on. Sister Melly, I want you to come over here. I want you to pray. Come on, come on. Come on, Jimmy Isom. Right here, bud. Right here. I want you to right there. I want you to pray. John, when you start playing, I just want you to pray the music. I don't want you to sing yet. I just want you to play the music. Play something. I want some, I want some music. I want some revival music. I want some music. But I want you to play the music and don't sing until I tell you to sing. I tell you what, I, I'm ready to lead a march tonight. Prayer warriors, you can turn and face this congregation. And I want you guys to be praying over what God's fixing to do in the midst of this congregation right now. I don't know if you're facing giants. 
I don't know if someone you know, you love is facing giants. And we all know our nation's facing giants. So there's giants in the land. We all know there's giants. And I, I, want, I want to speak to young people right here for a moment. This message is as much for you as it is for anybody in this church right now. Because I want to tell you something. There's very, something very special, church, about this generation, about this young generation. You want me to tell you what it is? In this passage of Scripture, when David's fighting Goliath, he's a young boy. He's young, like these guys. He's young. And all the scholars are trying to figure out, well, how young was David? And the central thing they come up with is he was probably about 15 years old. Some say he might have been 12. A young boy. See, to, according to Numbers 1, to have been in the army, you have to be 20 years old. And the Bible said three of his brothers were in the army, so that means they were 20 or older. Well, he's got four other brothers that weren't there fighting, so that must mean they weren't 20 probably because they probably would have been there. So if they're under 20 and David's the eighth one, that puts him down to where he was 15, 14, 13, 12 years old. He was a young boy. But this young boy had seen enough. God had put something in this young man. And I'm here to declare to you, God has put something special in these young people. You know, we're always talking about God reviving the spirit, the Pentecostal spirit. I think our God is a God who does new things. I think our God would rather have put in a new spirit in us than to try to revive an old spirit. And God's putting a spirit in this younger generation. And for too long, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to, talk to those older ones, for too long, God has been wanting us, and you have led the, the way of Pentecost. But I think something's changing. I think you're going to be seeing, seeing this generation lead Pentecost. These guys all have giants. I promise you, you've been that age, they've got giants. Their friends have got giants. But I want to tell you something, young people. The fight that you got, your giants are your giants, and you've got to fight them. But what you're going to fight is for a greater cause. It's for our nation. The giants are in our nation. The young people of this nation, get ready. They're fixing to rise. They're fixing to answer the call. They're tired. They've had enough of enough. They're tired of seeing their older brothers and sisters and their moms and their dads being beat down by these giants. And God's put a fight in this young generation that God's going to use them mightily, I believe. i tell you what I want, to, I want to do. I want all you young people, why don't you come line up behind me? Come line up behind me. Is anybody else in church this young? Come on over here and join us. Come on, guys. I want you to march with me. Come on. I got a generation behind me full of courage, not afraid to face their giants. You got giants. You've got giants. We've got giants in the land. We're all facing. Come on. I'm not afraid to march against giants tonight when I got something like this behind me. I got God on our side. Here's what I want to do, guys. I want you to come right here and stop. I don't want you guys to line up all the way. Just gather in. Just gather in here as a group. Come on in as a group. Come on, not be single fathers. Come on in as a group, all you people.
it's time to bring some giants down. We've got to have some giant slayers. We've got to have some people not afraid. You're sick and tired of it. Enough is enough. It ain't about you. It's about your giant, or it's not about your giant. It's about your brother's giant, your family's giant, your children's giant. Showed you in Scripture that David fought for his brothers. He fought for his family. It was David's giant, too. But it was also his brother's giant. But not only that, it was also the nation's giant. And I've come to tell you, God is wanting to change something. We're fixing to have us a Jehoshaphat march. And most of you know the Jehoshaphat story. If you hear Wednesday, John, John told you it again. We had the worshipers. We got the prayers. Praise and worship and prayer are our two greatest weapons. If you want to defeat giants, if, 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 you're in a, if you're in a stronghold, you got a stronghold on your life, you're going to break it through prayer and praise and worship. If you've got your family member down, tied up, chokehold, trying to take the life of them, I'll testify to it. It's going to be prayer and praise and worship. It's going to cut it loose. So what I'm going to do in just a minute, here's what's going to happen. I want to take you to verse 48. If you guys have put it up there. Come on, guys. Come on in a little closer to me. In just a minute, John, I'm going to tell you to start singing. And I want some upbeat music. I want some praise and worship music. I want some exciting music. Prayer people, I want you to start praying. Because I want you to understand there's some people coming. I got giants. I'm bringing some giant slayers with me. You see them right behind me. And what they're fixing to do is not only going to free them of their giants, it's fixing to free this whole congregation of their giants. Now, here's what it said. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. David didn't wait for the enemy to come to him. David didn't hunker down like the rest. Something rose up inside of David. Something that's like rising up in this army right here. I want you all to begin to pray. God's fixing to use you. This, this generation knows how to pray already. Come on, Lord. This generation knows how to praise already. And in just a minute, this generation is going to charge this battle line. And when this generation charges this battle line and breaks out in prayer and praise, I want every single one of you to join this generation and come to this altar and join them and follow right in behind them and let God defeat and destroy your enemy too. I hear some giants falling. I hear some chains breaking. I hear some people being set free. I hear some curses being broken. And Come on, stand to your feet in this place. Come on. Come on, come on. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Oh, it ain't time just yet. The Lord's going before us right now. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. 
I got some people behind me that believe that the Lord will deliver our enemy into our hands and we will kill him. There is a generation that's going to fight this battle, that's going to save a nation. Are you ready? John, go ahead and start singing for you guys. Hold on. Go ahead and start singing, John. Come on. Come on. Come on. Go ahead and start singing. Come on. This is how I fight my Come on, lift your hands. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, come on. This is how I fight my battles. You guys ready? Get your hands up. Come on. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, you're killing your giants. This is how I You're killing somebody else's giants. You're killing the nation's giants. Because of what you're doing. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, we're almost ready. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, church. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. You ready to fix the charges battle? Are you this is ready? How I fight Are you with me? You ready? This Let's go. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. Right now, bring you here. Come join this generation. Come on, people. You got giants. Your family's got giants. Your children are captive. Come on, somebody. Come on. Start laying hands on these people. Shut up, Shut up, Come on. Begin to worship him. Lift up your hands. You either should be worshiping or you should be praying. Come on, somebody. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how
Give me just a second, real quick. Guys, would you part the waters? There's something this way. I want all you guys to get into here. Come on in, everybody. You don't have to be, you don't have to be in the hallway. Come on up. Come on. Just come on forward. Come on. Come on forward. Just come up here. I want you in here with us. I want you in here with us. I want you in here. This is, this is the place. This right here is the place. I bind the enemy. The devil is a liar. The Spirit of God is in this place. And I want you to understand that. And I want you to believe. And I want you to raise up with courage tonight and declare victory over your giants. What I, young people, what I want you to do now, I want you to begin laying hands on these older people. Come on. There is a power working in you that God has anointed you and appointed you. Begin to pray for these people. Pray for them. Go ahead, guys. Come on. Come on. Back into the, come on. Just go right back into worship. Come on. God's not done. hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make your praises loud cause the enemy has been defeated and death couldn't hold you down we're gonna lift our voice in victory we're gonna make your praises loud cause the enemy has been defeated and death couldn't hold
think they could have sung a greater song or made a greater statement that is how you fight your battles that's how we fight our battles prayer and praise and worship do you know what just happened today <laughs> the enemy just got a surprise attack some of y'all been so worried Consumed, and when you begin to praise and worship and pray, God ambushed your enemy. You not only freed yourself from giants, you have interceded for others who have giants. And not it was bigger than that, though. You interceded for a nation. This nation is in trouble. We are a part of this nation. And God is exposing the enemy's plot. And he's given us a counter plan. The enemy's strategic. But our God's strategic. <laughs> oh. Where sin does abound, much more does his grace abound. Amen. He can't outdo God. I don't care what he throws at you. Mostly what he throws at you is that roaring voice. That roaring voice. Sounds like a lion, but he's not a lion. We serve the lion. The lion is coming back for the church. If we keep doing what we're doing right here, if we keep this to heart and fight our battles like this, there is going to be a transformation taking place 
And you just don't, we don't even realize, I think, how big this is, how significant it is for you to whip your giant, to whip your family's giant. You've heard it prophesied that this church would reach the nations. Doing what we're doing right tonight will reach the nations. Hallelujah. What we do here will make a difference out there. And God's looking for that remnant. And I know the hearts of the people in this church. It's our desire to be a part of that remnant. Amen. This is how we fight our battles. Give God praise one more time. Pastor Zach, would you come and just pray a prayer of dismissal for us, please? Praise the name of the Lord. I'm proud of Brother Zach. He preached at our youth camp meeting this week. Preached the fire down. A minister from our church knows how to fight the battles. Went to a youth camp and taught those how to fight the battles. Praise the Lord. fear from them, God. And I pray that they can stand and stare every giant in the face knowing who their God is. Knowing who you are, God. That compared to you, they are nothing. Lord, we speak to every giant, Lord, in this room that families are fighting. We cast it down in Jesus' name. We speak to every, Lord, giant in this town and we cast it down in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak to every giant in Missouri and I cast it down in the name of Jesus. We speak to every giant in this nation and we speak to it and say, you will not stand long. You will be cast down in the name of Jesus. I pray for a church set on fire by the Spirit of God that is unafraid of the enemy, unafraid of the attacks of the enemy, the church that is willing to have fathers who will head their homes and not let the devil enter their homes, but they will rule their homes, God. I speak to alcoholism in this town. I speak to opioid addiction, heroin, meth, drugs, any of any form. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and we pray and be cast down. I rebuke idol worship. Lord, things that we worship that are not of you, God, we cast them down in Jesus' name. We speak to every school, God, in this region, and we see you be the God of the school. We rebuke darkness, and we pray, Lord, students full of your fire would ignite and set their schools on fire with the love and the power of Jesus. We speak it, and we declare a shift in Jesus' name. We declare anointing in Jesus' name. We take hold of everything you have for us, God, and we're going to leave this holy ground, God, that where you came and you visited us. You visited us. Heaven has touched earth. We're going to leave this ground, Lord. This ground's only holy because you visited it. We're going to go, and we're going to take ground in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we're going to go take ground in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we speak it. We declare it. If you believe with me, I want you to just lift your hands. We speak it in the name of Jesus. We speak it in the name of Jesus. By faith believing in your power and your anointing and your word, God, we declare it. And we pursue it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time for your dismiss. Give God your highest praise. Come on. Come on.
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 